Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum for maximum for maximum. Please welcome from the University of Florida, tackle Max Starks. Max Starks is joining us right now. Maximum football. It means it's football season. Max Starks is here. Wolf is in Tennessee for the uh, joint practice today between the Cardinals and the Titans. And Wolf, some of the video from that practice is starting to trickle out. Cardinals just tweeted out a, uh, a video of DeAndre Hopkins. I think I think that it looks like it was Christian Fuller that he was or Christian Fulton rather that he was just burning on the uh, in the corner of the field to to make one of those catches you were talking about at the start of the show. You don't get Hopkins still mid-season, but the good news is he at least looks like he's in mid-season form. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. Watching him in one-on-one, he put on a clinic. I have to tell you, it was so cool to see it. Running fades down the sideline, of course. The ball was thrown up by Kyler Murray. It was a 50-50 ball, and suddenly you see him just stab the ball out of the air. A back shoulder fade, stab the ball out of the air, touchdown, um, and then he made this one-handed catch that... Only DeAndre Hopkins, man, would be able to make. They threw the ball up. It was a touchdown once again, and he just reached up with one hand and grabbed it. The DB was holding his other hand. He grabbed it and pulled it down for a one-handed touchdown. Um, The guy... The guy is incredible. Those 50-50 balls, no, it ain't 50-50. It's 80-20. Max, when you look at this team, to me, they have really put most of their resources into their offense. Not that they have just, you know, said whatever happens with the defense, it happens. But money-wise, I believe they are still 32nd in the NFL in terms of spending on defense. And yet, on the other hand, they have really stacked the offense around Kyler Murray in your experience, I know you were an offensive guy, but in your experience, how far can you go if you do end up being kind of lopsided when the season actually starts? Uh, I mean, I look at it, and it's one of those things where your your defense has to be very efficient, you know, because this is one of those cases where you're planning on outscoring your opponents, uh, meaning you want the ball last in the game to make sure that you ensure victory. And I... <laughs> In my history, I mean, there have been some great teams that are just offensive juggernauts that you can't beat. But I, I just I haven't seen it in the last what twenty years or so. I haven't really seen an offense. What would you call the Kansas dominant. City Chiefs, though, Max? What would you call the Chiefs? They were, you know, I, I I thought they had a very average defense, and I thought their defense was built around their offense. In other words, they knew they were going to score so many points offensively. They spent all their money on a pass rush. <laughs> You know, in a defense that could defend the pass. Um, I thought they were pretty much average, though, defensively. And I thought it was always their offense that made the Chiefs to the Chiefs. How do you feel about that? I mean, I, I, I do agree. I agree. But I think they also excelled, like you said, at pass rush. Um, I can't say the same here for the Cardinals as of yet um, until, you, until otherwise noted because if you were focusing on pass rush and just bolstering your offense the entire time, you would have kept Chandler Jones. Yeah. Um, so, but And that piece is kind of missing. You're still trying to find that right committee fix to 
replace all of that lost production that Chandler Jones provided. So if that was the case, I would concede it as such. But, you know, you have to be good at one area of that defense to be able to combat fast scoring because you don't want the other team scoring as fast as you are. And that's what Kansas City realized. And we also know Kansas City's had a lot of success, but it's one Super Bowl victory. And that Super Bowl team that they had when they won, they got the right team to go up against in San Francisco. And then B, you know, the defense was pass rush oriented for a team that was trying to pass with Jimmy G, didn't work. And then you saw how low scoring that game was, even with the fast-paced offense. So they kind of counteracted each other. And then Patrick Mahomes kicks in at the end. But that's not that's an aberration. That's not the normal. And you see how hard it's been for Kansas City since. Even with all those electric weapons, they still are struggling to make sure that they can yeah. still find that lightning in a bottle. So that's where I find it very tough to say yes, because that was a one-time thing in the last, what, 20 years of Super Bowls. I can't say that I've seen one where it's been so offensive heavy. If anything, it's been defensive heavy that's won you a championship, and especially my, my, my Super Bowl in 40. The Baltimore Ravens, when they won theirs the first time, second time they're a little Dilfer. bit more balanced. Yeah, exactly. Trent Dilfer's a Super Bowl champion, ladies and gentlemen, in case you were wondering. But that, that that's how I see it. So it's tough to see offensive heavy passing and, and electric specialty weapons being the difference maker to take you all the way to a Super Bowl. Well, Max, on the defensive side of things, you mentioned the pass rush, and, I, and I've kind of come around that I, I'm going to I'm going to hold back judgment on the pass rush until I see how guys like Victor Dimukeji and MyJ Sanders evolve and and how Vance Joseph's able to use them. I'm more concerned about the corners, to be honest, but. Marcus Golden, you know, he's going to be the center of your pass rush. He hasn't practiced in over three weeks now. His, his The timing may be random. That, that August 1st is when he tweeted out underpaid, unappreciated, and undervalued, but I'm still working. And then since then, we haven't seen him on the practice field. It doesn't seem like it would take that much to just kind of pay him a little bit more for what he's done. And I don't know if that would get him back on the field or not, but it, it certainly wouldn't hurt. Where do you come out on the Marcus Golden situation? I mean... So I sat through a hold-in in Pittsburgh with Deontay Johnson, right, for a wide receiver. Yep. Um, and, I mean, I agree you're at the building. You're physically present. You're there to be a part of the team but still not interacting with the team. Uh, but the, the crying of Wolf um, is just, and no pun intended, Wolf. Um, <laughs> that should be a know. segment on the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um but it's it's played out to me. I mean, I'm tired of seeing a player hold in or hold a team hostage because they feel like they deserve more. You signed a contract. Yep. The contract is there. It's 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 in plain right. And I'm all for players getting their money when it's time to get that money. But when you're trying to renegotiate or you feel like you're underpaid, you're, you're letting the world know you're underpaid and underappreciated, go talk to the head coach and the GM about it. I don't want to hear about it when, you know, when I'm reading my morning debriefs, right? I don't want to hear about you complaining about the whatever millions it is is not the millions that you wanted. It's go out and play and let your production speak for it to where it's undeniable that you deserve this. That's that, that, but that's just my point, and that's just my feelings. I'm sure everybody feels differently, just like how I feel about two-a-days and guys actually going to the ground and practice before the first time you hit the ground as a game. So I digress on that point, but still, it's just it, it's played out to me. 
No, I'm with you on that, Max, 100%. Talk to me a little bit about team needs. As you look at the Arizona Cardinals right now, what do you hope to see them develop, whether it's an attitude, whether it's offensively or defensively, a scheme they're running, whatever it is, what is it that you think this team needs going forward? I think it's that defensive identity, Wolf. I think we've kind of been talking about this the last couple of years about a tough, undeniable defensive mindset that run defense has got to be an emphasis for the squad. It has to be because it's been a deficiency for so long. And there's always an excuse about why certain guys can't do what they can do. You have a draft every year. You have free agency to get those pieces in place. You chose to go different directions each and every time. We've got different reasoning, and it gets incrementally better. But what really takes this team above the top? You already had enough offensive weapons. You know. Now, I will say, hey, a little bit more depth at the offensive line last year, but it didn't hurt you so bad because you had the rash of injuries. But run defense has been one of the things that's always crippled this team, especially the second half of the season when teams – Everybody's tired and everybody's figured out the the Cardinals have not kind of evolved the game in the second half of the season. And then because of that, teams run roughshod through them. And then offensively, they get stalled, they get stymied, or they get blitzed to all all get out. And then you're wondering, well, why can't we do this? Why can't we control this? Because you're not a ball-controlling offense. You're a ball-scoring offense. So things have to work on timing rhythms. Well, guess what? If you're going to be a ball-scoring offense, that means you're not going to have time of possession. And what's the other team going to do? Knowing that your team is going to keep the defense out there, they're going to run the ball in them to possess time. So you need a defense that says, no, I don't want to be out here. I want to be three and out. I want to be four and out. And I don't want to stay on the field for over 30 minutes every game. That's the type of mentality. So if there's one thing I want them to do is shore up the run defense. Max, great stuff as always, man. We always appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again soon, all right? All right, sounds good. You guys take care. And by the way, Wolf, your brother Craig says he loves you. (laughs) You tell Craig I love him too, Max. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it, man. Your brother Craig as he stays in a mansion for training camp and Max has to sleep in a tiny dorm room. (laughs) I cannot wait to rip him for that. Uh, text Jersey to 620-620 right now for your chance to win the brand new Phoenix Suns Nike Classic Edition jersey celebrating the 30th anniversary of that 92-93 Suns team that met the Bulls in the finals. That's Jersey to 620-620. Speaking of the Suns, can they recapture what they had last year after such a strange offseason? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, back over to basketball. Wolf, we were doing the uh, the biggest what-ifs in Valley Sports earlier in the show. And the one that, it's funny, it's the first one I thought of when Maloney and I were talking before the show. Forgot to mention it on the air, though, it might be the biggest, is the, uh, the Steph Curry almost trade on draft night. And, uh... Yeah, that one might sting more than any of them except Kareem. Uh, also with basketball, Shams tweeted this out. There's fear Oklahoma City Thunder number two pick Chet Holmgren has suffered ligament damage in his foot and he is undergoing further opinions. Sources tell The Athletic. So if uh, if you're a big Boy. hoops fan, Chet Holmgren is, is he's one of the bigger mysteries I can remember in, in, in a draft over the last few years in the sense where he could be amazing. 
Or, you know, he could be a bust. Most people seem to think if he's a bust, it'll be because his body can't hold up in the NBA. I'm not saying that's what this is. He hasn't even played an NBA game yet, but not great news to start off his career. Yeah, that is, you know, I think immediately of the guy that drafted him. I think of who it was that was standing on the table, and we do not know exactly who it was that was standing on the table for Holmgren. But that is going to be interesting because this is where careers are made and where careers are broken. Yeah, if you just look at it, it doesn't take long to look through the responses to Shams to see the name Greg Oden come up over and over again, which it's it's too early to say that. That's not fair. They're not even really the same player the way they play, but an extremely talented player in Greg Oden who couldn't hold up just physically in the NBA. Not his fault, but that was the risk when you took him. Now, I think the, the good news for Oklahoma City is there wasn't a Kevin Durant in this draft, or at least it doesn't look like it, when they took Holmgren, and, and he was actually probably the guy with the most upside. So we'll see. But uh, just something to keep an eye on there from Shams within the uh, the last hour. Indeed. As far as the Phoenix Suns, the, the question now really is, what do you do to move on and make sure you are ready at you know at full strength start of the season? Season starts in less than two months, Wolf. Not not preseason camp or anything. That's that's basically in a month. But the actual regular season starts October nineteenth, so less than two months. How do you get past the weirdness of the way last season ended, and now on top of that, the weirdness of this off season? Because like it or not, you were in the Kevin Durant discussions. DeAndre Ayton had a strange end of the season, and then kind of a strange off season where you know. You and I talked about this. There was a month in there where it felt like he wasn't even on the Suns anymore. And as it turns yeah. out, he never left. I mean, they, they've got a lot of stuff to kind of iron out before they get back out there. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I I believe that it all starts with the Mavericks series. <laughs> game 6 and Game 7 in particular. It all starts there. That's what's got to be fixed, and it just it blows my mind to, to think that somehow, some way, whatever it was that brought them down in the Mavericks series is not fixed. Is has not been addressed. It blows my mind to think that that has not happened. I believe that that had to be a one, obviously, into the off season. Going into the off season, we had to fix whatever it was that destroyed the chemistry of this team in that series. We've been talking about it, Luke. I mean, we've been talking about it for months after that series. And how different the Phoenix Suns looked. They looked like a team that was so cohesive. And their chemistry was so good. And their culture was one of the reasons why they were winning. And and the best team in the NBA. The number one seed in the Western Conference. And then it was not. It was just gone. I've never seen anything like that. Why did that happen? That was number one. They had to fix that, and I think they already have. Well, you know, They've addressed it. You know what, what's, what's uh, interesting within that, too? And, and I don't know the answer to this question. I would love it if somebody could answer it, and I don't think we'll ever get that answer. But when you talk about, okay, did they already address what happened at the end of last season? I think the logical question to that is, did they expect to have DeAndre Ayton back this season? Did they expect that they were just going to get him signed or that some team was going to offer sheet him and they were just going to match it? And as it works out, if you set aside the Kevin Durant stuff, they actually got to 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 match an offer sheet from Indiana. I don't think the Suns minded offering. 
Or did they think that they were going to be moving on from him via trade or however no. this offseason? That's I, the I question, right? So. I know that is, though. I don't think so. I think they knew all along they were going to match. I think they knew all along they were going to try to work something out. I could be dead wrong on that, Luke, of course. It, it's, a, it's a very interesting question. But after you fix whatever that was that happened in that Dallas Mavericks series, now all of a sudden you do have to focus on getting that culture back. You're running it back right now. It looks like you are definitely running it back. You're going to do that. You got to focus on repairing that culture. Whatever, whatever the fraying on the, the outer reaches around the perimeter of that culture was, whatever it was that destroyed it, the way that it did, you got to rebuild that. And I think that is going to, that is probably going to be the first thing that Monty Williams speaks of in his team meeting, that first practice they have when they're all together. Yeah, I think he has to. I think he just has to kind of let everybody, maybe there isn't a whole lot to say, but if there is, get it all out then, right? You don't want anything from last season or this offseason lingering in. You don't You don't want DeAndre Ayton wondering, wait, did you guys not really want me, but it was just made sense to yeah. match? You don't want Mikel Bridges, and I agree with you, I'm not really worried about Mikel Bridges, but I don't want Mikel Bridges or Cam Johnson thinking that they are expendable if they're not. You know, it's one thing to be expendable for Kevin Durant. It's another thing to be expendable. Like those, especially Mikel, feels like he's a guy like, maybe you would trade him if it got you Kevin Durant, and you're pretty much not willing to trade him for anybody else. Right. And I just think that stuff, it takes 20 minutes to have that conversation as a team, just because last season was so weird, and this offseason was pretty weird, too. And then, honestly, I still think you have to add a piece or two. Like we, You and I keep talking about how, okay, fine, that's, that's great. If you don't get Kevin Durant, just run it back. You have a good team. That's all true. But what if teams figured out how to beat this team? What if teams watch the tape of Dallas and they're like, this makes it a lot easier to beat the Suns. Maybe you need another dynamic or somebody that, that comes in. I know you probably can't get a scorer at this point, but can you get a backup guard? Can you get a power forward? Can you do anything a little bit differently and just tinker with it so you don't get stale from one year to the next? No, I think you're right about that, Luke. I really do. But don't forget this, too. DeAndre Ayton, get better. Well, get better. That would be ideal. Get better. That's, that would change a lot. Yeah, that's really going to be the... <laughs> I don't want to say that's going to be the thing to watch this year because that was the thing to watch last year. But there is a different dynamic now, right? He's gotten yes. paid. Yes. And and it's he's gotten paid, but it's not like he's gotten paid for the next 15 years. He's gotten paid <laughs> for the next four. Yeah, and it, but for me, once again, though, honestly, get better. He's a different dude. He's a completely different dude. He thinks differently about a lot of things. And I'm hoping that maybe getting paid, when the vast majority of guys who get paid, they don't get better. The vast majority of guys, never forget that, Luke. The vast majority of guys who get paid don't get better. It's the reason why I look at Chandler Jones and have the respect that I have for Chan. Because he got better after he got a a boatload of money. I'm I'm looking at DeAndre Ayton. He's a different cat. And maybe because of that, maybe once he gets the confirmation of getting paid, now all of a sudden he gets better. Okay. I'm hoping he's built that way. I, I hope he is too. I think you're right. Most guys sort of plateau at that point. Some guys yes. are going to get worse. I don't think he's going to get worse, but you're looking at the two number one picks in the city right now, the most recent ones, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Ayton. They both, both teams are asking them, here's the money. 
you're going to get better now, right? And I got to be honest, of the two of them, I feel a little more confident Kyler Murray is going to get better if you told me only one of them was going to get better. I, I wonder if we're kind of where the DeAndre is, is. Yeah, the good news is it's not just one of them getting better. They both can. They both can. <laughs> they both can. Nobody's telling you. It's, it's, it doesn't exist that only one of them can get better. It doesn't. They both can. So let's hope that happens. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Which players have the most on the line this weekend for the Cardinals against Tennessee? It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Wolf and Luke show. Wolf is in Tennessee today for the Cardinals joint practice with the Titans. Now, obviously, the Cardinals are going to play the Titans on Saturday, Wolf. And we're getting to that point in the week where this is the final preseason game that they're going to have. You're going to have to trim the roster down to 53 by what? Next Tuesday. So they got a lot of cuts coming on this team. They're at 81 guys right now. They can have the extra player because uh, because they have Psycho there. So you are going to have to cut 28 guys over the span like the next six days. Yeah. I'm sure some of these decisions are already made. I would hope some of them are already made. But um, this game on Saturday is going to be big for a lot of guys. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, you know, my heart goes out to a lot of them because there's going to be a lot of dreams that are going to be destroyed. Um, A lot of guys that are trying to make an NFL team, of course, for the first time, giving it a go in training camp and they're going to be cut. And it's it's very, very difficult. Um, Yes, uh, the cut downs, of course, always open up other opportunities for other guys. So it could be as sometimes when they get let go, they actually get picked up by other teams. I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be looking at a lot of guys that are probably veteran, veteran corners that might actually get cut and are out on the open market. Um, I, I think they'll have to pass through waivers, of course. And at the same time, there's always the possibility that they're going to pull off a trade. And I think that's more likely as to what the Arizona Cardinals are going to do, Luke. Uh, I got a few. I'm, I'm starting to agree with you on that, too, because they they really just, A, there isn't a corner that, that got released that you're looking and saying, oh, yeah, we got to get him. You know, B, if one does... Cardinals are nowhere near the top of waiver priority. So a lot of these yes. other teams, if there's a good corner, there's not that many good corners anyway in the league. Yeah. So they're probably not going to be able to get one that way unless they they see something in a guy that, that these other teams in front of them don't, and then they just kind of strike gold. And you're not going to know that if uh, you're not going to know that going into week one. And, and, you know, you and I talked about this earlier this week. Corner's not the sort of position where other teams are in front of you are going to have a bunch of guys. Like, everybody is thin at corner, it feels like. Or yeah. they at least think they're thin at corner. Yeah, everybody, oh man, yeah, corners. But here's the thing. If you're going to pick him up on waivers, you're going to absorb his contract yeah. as well. And that's the one reason why, a lot of reasons why, veterans don't get picked up on waivers because you're going to have to absorb that contract. Um, the one great thing about this is the Arizona Cardinals don't need safeties. That's <laughs> they true. Might need, they might need corners, but they don't need safeties. Oh, my goodness, you heard the sound right there that we just played. Buda Baker, he was jacked up a little. 
I, I love the fact you could tell he was jacked up a little bit in the secondary. He was talking a lot more on the sideline and out on the field than I've really heard from Buda Baker. He was jacked up because it was his first joint practice. Man, I'm telling you, I can feel that. I can totally feel that. If this is his first joint practice, Buda Baker's, he's been to the, the Pro Bowl how many times now? He's, he's, he's been so successful. He's a hardcore veteran. He's on contract number two, right? He's been paid. He's, he's Buda Baker and he's one of the best safeties in the league and yet he never has practiced practice man against another team and he's got he's he had the opportunity today and he's all fired up about it yeah but jo- you know what joint practices are built for guys like Buda Baker exactly but i have to tell you man the hit of the practice was when the Tennessee Titans had the ball, and it was Ryan Tannehill. He was throwing the ball. They didn't have their best receivers out on the field, but they did have one receiver who, unfortunately, was running an eight route, which is a post route down the middle of the field. The Arizona Cardinals were playing Tampa 2, Basinonians. Just listen to what I'm saying. Tampa 2 that we're playing. And the two safeties high were Buda Baker, of course, and Jalen Thompson. Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. Tampa, too, has a Mike linebacker running down the middle of the field. You know who the Mike was on this third and obvious pass situation? Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is running down the middle of the field. Tannehill says, wow, those safeties are playing heavy over the top. Yes, I've got this Mike linebacker running down the middle of the field with his wide receiver who's running a post over the middle of the field. But you know what? I think I can get that in there. Tannehill throws the ball, and Jalen Thompson comes from the safety position and just as the guy touches the ball, again, I don't know who the wide receiver was, it was not their starters, but just as he touched it, Jalen Thompson waylaid him. I mean, laid the hammer down. So much so where the Tennessee Titans sideline everyone stood up, whoa, whoa, whoa hey, hey, and, and the Cardinals just looked at him like, knock it off, Shut up. What else were you going to do? Hey, it's football. I thudded him. I didn't try to kill him. I thudded him, and he did. He hit him. It was a totally clean, legal football hit, and the ball came out. It was the only way Jalen Thompson could keep the receiver from catching the ball. It was to waylay him, and that's what he did, man. I got to tell you. It was the best hit of the entire practice, and it jacked up everybody on the Cardinals' sideline. It was near the end, too. It was near the end, and the Cardinals dominated the Tennessee Titans in the the two-minute, 11-on-11. The team two-minute drill dominated the Tennessee Titans. The Titans had three. The Titan ones had three drives. The first two were three-and-outs. And then the third was a pick by Byron Murphy. Stymied. And the Cardinals moved the ball with Kyler Murray as well. Kyler Murray looked really, really good. And it, I, I love to see him working against the Titans ones. 
Kyler was out there with the ones working against the Titan ones. Yeah, and we haven't really got to see much of any of that. Yeah, we haven't got to see Kyler working against exactly. anybody. That, that this, this to me was the biggest potential benefit of this joint practice, and especially when it sounded like it was going to be two joint practices originally, was the Cardinals have a lot of guys that haven't played in these preseason games that you're going to need on September 11th, which is two and a half weeks away, to come out of the gate firing on that opening drive against the Chiefs. So uh, that's good to hear, Wolf. What you're saying right there is that we got to see Kyler against the Titans a little bit and actually go out there and, and make some plays just to get a little, shake a little bit of the rust off because their last meaningful game was seven yeah. months ago. Yeah, it was seven months ago. And also, too, let me just say this. Um, Kyler threw the ball very, very well, completed a lot of his passes. A lot of them, or not a lot of them, um, many of them were outside the pocket. He was on the move. Um, sometimes by design, sometimes it was because the pocket would break down and he would extend the plays. But he looked like Kyler Murray. And that got me jacked up right there. He did a really, really good job. The Cardinals, can I just say this? And this is, this is purely from a, a perspective of, listen, I had no vested interest in who won the two minute drill. Absolutely no interest in that whatsoever. I just wanted to see football. I wanted to see plays, but I will tell you, the Cardinals dominated that two minute team. Well, that's that's about probably going to be the only glimpse we get at the actual Cardinals until that game against the Chiefs in, in a Luke, couple weeks. And Luke, that two minute team went on for a half hour. They did a lot of it. Well, that's I mean, <laughs> they owned Tennessee last year when they played randomly enough too. You mentioned Buda Baker. Uh, we're going to come back and hear from what he if what. Buda Baker had to say a little bit from Trey McBride as well as the joint practice in Tennessee has wrapped up. Wolf is out there. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Final segment of the show, Wolf, you were just talking about Buda Baker, his performance today, the defense's performance in the two-minute drill that went on for about a half hour. Here is Buda Baker talking about that. He was asked if today's a good gauge of where the defense for the Cardinals is right now. Yeah, that and, of course, going against our team, you know, we like to think our, our ones are, you know, really good um, in this league. So going against our ones, if we can do great against them, I feel like we can do great against anybody. And, uh, you know, today kind of showed, you know, we we competed, you know, got some picks today, got our hands on the football, and it was a, it was a great day. Yeah, it was a great day right there, honestly. Um, the team activity that they did, the 11-on-11, I've been talking about it a couple of times throughout uh, this show, but it was. It was dominated by the Arizona Cardinals. They did a good job. Now, once again, what am I saying about that? I'm not saying the Arizona Cardinals are going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to the playoffs. Uh, they're going to beat the Tennessee Titans in this preseason. <laughs> I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is... The Arizona Cardinals dominated the team activity when they worked 
against the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, but you mentioned this before when you were kind of going through what you saw today. You're out there. Nobody else is out there. There's very few people out there at this practice from uh, from from this state right now other than the actual players and the coaches. So you mentioned Buda Baker. You mentioned Jalen Thompson. You mentioned Isaiah Simmons. You mentioned Byron Murphy. To me, Wolf, those are four of the main guys that if, if the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs this year, those guys are going to have to have big years. And they either already are are good in the case of Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, or they have the upside to get there in the case of a guy like Byron Murphy or Isaiah Simmons. Here's Buda on what he has seen from Simmons so far in camp. Yeah, uh, you know, like you said, that star role, he's a star. You know, he can play whatever position. Um, that's going to do great for us. It's, you know, offenses are going to be, it's going to be kind of hard to uh, game plan against us because so many guys do so many different things. So, um I'm so excited for Isaiah, you know, a guy who's now in the DB group uh, that we see every day and meet every day with and talk to. So it's definitely special to have a a guy like that who can do so many different things. And being a 6'3", 230-something that runs a 4'3", you know, there's not many of those. So, uh, you know. I'm just very excited for him, and I can't wait to uh, for everyone to see what he's going to do this year. Yeah, I, I don't want to say the whole season hinges on Isaiah Simmons because that's not the way football works, unless you're talking about like Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. But Wolf, you're talking about one of the biggest pivotal players on this team this season. If Simmons just goes off and has a monster year on defense, it's going to be tough to keep this team out of the playoffs. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one, Logan. And of course, I've been talking about this. I, I do believe that the inside linebacker position is the fulcrum to the entire defense for the Arizona Cardinals. And, and again, I realize he's a star backer. I realize he's not um, a safety and he's not the weak side inside linebacker. What he is is a guy that they move him all over the place and I'm hoping that he makes a lot of plays and he makes a lot of plays that change games because I believe Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, those two guys with their talent, with their length, uh, their length with their athletic ability, these two guys have the power within them and the skill upon them to actually go out and make plays that change games and help the Cardinals' defense be better than what I think it might be. I uh, go ahead. And if that doesn't happen, I, I'm a little nervous. Yeah, that's fair. I would be very nervous in, in that situation as but, well. But hey, can I just say, Luke, what, based on what I saw from Isaiah Simmons today, oh my goodness, he was all over the field. Literally all over the field. Lined up all over the field and making plays all over the field. I, Isaiah Simmons, um, he may have been the star of the day. Uh, before we get to Trey McBride, I got to play this clip from Buddha talking about the uh, the teaser for Hard Knocks last night. After the red, the, the 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 they're showing the lines, but then at the end they are showing like ten seconds of a cardinal. Last week it was Cliff just sitting there with a remote in his hand, looking very uh, like half asleep. Last night it was Buddha just uh, working out in the Cardinals' weight room. Oh, the shrugs! Yeah, I think I saw myself. Yeah, those those, those were one tens, baby. Those were one tens, so it was pretty heavy. That was planned. <laughs> Uh, you know, they just wanted to just watch me lift. So I was like, all right, then I'm going to get my lift in. So It's more than your body weight. <laughs> <laughs> Wolf, um, first of all, that was Polly making that comment there at the end. Second, that's how you prepare for the show, right? With the 110-pound shrugs? <laughs> okay, yeah. So you know what? Um, I would have back when I was 24. Yeah. I would have... <laughs> 
shrugged with the 110s and did, of course. The only difference was we used straight bars back then. We didn't have dumbbells that were 110. We actually put some weight on the bar and then had like 330 and sat there and did shrugs. Okay? So, anyways, listen. It's a whole new world. Uh, I want to get to Trey McBride real quick because he spoke today. And, you know, we had Max Starks on before. Max played in the league, won a couple Super Bowls, played for over a decade, never had a joint practice, Wolf. So obviously Trey McBride, a rookie, has never had a joint practice. In fact, this is his first time going against other NFL players. Yeah, it's great. I think it's, uh, like I said, great competition. But most importantly, it's just good to see another body, see another face, a change of scenery, and and come out here and get some good work. But I think we competed well. I think, uh, you know, we had a great day today. One more for McBride talking about how much Max Williams and Zach Ertz have helped him evolve here in the first few weeks of his NFL career. Yeah, you know, I think learning is, is you know, you constantly have to learn in this league and, and you know, playing with guys like Zach, Max, guys who have been around this league for a long time, they're constantly teaching me little things, whether that's how to run a route, how to block, whatever it may be, just taking bits and pieces from them every day and trying to, you know, use that in my own game. So, yeah, constantly learning, constantly trying to improve and get better. It's funny, Wolf, we're at the point here of, of camp where we talk about certain position groups and I'm like, I just feel good, feel relaxed. Like, I feel good about the Cardinals' chances. And then there are other position groups where I just feel stressed out. But tight end, the good news, is one of those position groups where you got to feel good about the depth they have there heading into this season. Yeah, let me just say quickly, too. Trey McBride had an awesome one-on-one against Bayard, their safety. A guy that is one of the best in the league. Yeah. Great and great catch as well. Yeah, that's that's a guy that, that does. He's, he's regarded as one of the best. You're right, at his position. I didn't realize. McBride went up against him today, and he looked good? Yes, he looked fantastic. Ran an in-route and caught the ball on the two-yard line. Got tackled, but man, it was a great catch. Trey McBride looks good. That's that's good news right there, because if you're looking for ways to offset not having Hopkins the first six weeks of the season, Zach Ertz, certainly. Uh, we'll see. We don't know when Max Williams is going to be back in actual games, but Trey McBride, it's good to hear that he's looking healthy and making some plays out there, even if it is just a joint practice. Wolf, thanks for checking in. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, man. Okay, brother. All right. Uh, thanks to Aaron Maloney and Jesse Morrison behind the glass. For Wolf, I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.